0: It's Thursday, January 25th, 2018. I'm Albert Mohler, and this is The Briefing, a daily analysis of news and events from a Christian worldview. We'll see an amazing testimony to the gospel, to the reality of good and evil, and to Christian truth in a Michigan courtroom. We'll see an amazing display of theological confusion among some German theologians, and we'll ask whether pro-like politicians in one party are an endangered species. In a dramatic scene in a Michigan courtroom yesterday, a judge faced a convicted defendant, Dr. Lawrence G. Nasser, and then sentenced him to between 40 and 175 years in prison. Nasser was the former team doctor for the American women's gymnastics team, and he was convicted of the serial abuse of young women and girls in his role as the world-famous physician for the American gymnastics program. The judge in the case, Judge Rosemarie Aquilina, had allowed almost 160 girls and young women, all identified as victims of Dr. Nasser, to give victim impact statements to be used in sentencing. And as she read the sentence out yesterday, the judge looked to the defendant, now convicted of crimes, and said, and I quote, It is my honor and privilege to sentence you. She then said, I just signed your death warrant. Earlier in her sentencing statement, the judge had faced the doctor and said, you've done nothing to deserve to walk out of a prison again. The crimes alleged and now proved against this team doctor for American gymnastics are almost beyond comprehension. We are talking about the serial abuse of young girls and young women that goes back a matter of decades. We are talking about one of the most esteemed doctors in the history of the US Olympics program, We're talking about a doctor who had access to young girls and young women and who abused the trust that was invested in him by so many in the Olympics movement and by so many parents and young women and girls. And he instead became a monster. Exactly the word that was used by some of the victims as they described their experience with the doctor. Scott Cassiola and Victor Mather reporting for the New York Times summarized the story this way. Dr. Nasser, age 54, was accused of molesting girls for years under the guise of giving them medical treatment. Some of the girls were as young as six. Many of them were Olympic gymnasts. In November, he pleaded guilty to sexually abusing seven of the girls. This came after he was already sentenced to 60 years in prison, in federal prison, for charges of child pornography. In the case of Dr. Nasser, the story only broke after one very brave woman made her own accusations in public against the doctor that was then followed by an avalanche of other accusations. The woman whose accusations broke the story, and eventually broke the doctor, was a young woman by the name now of Rachel Denhollander. In her statement concerning the sentencing of Dr. Nasser, she not only spoke eloquently from the deep reservoirs of a Christian worldview, but she spoke directly to the doctor with the power of the Christian gospel. The words of this young woman bear our close attention. The doctor, as he was being sentenced, was carrying a Bible visibly. That was considered by many of the victims to be manipulative, with the doctor effectively using the Bible as a prop in order to engender sympathy during his sentencing hearing. But Mrs. Denhollander pointed to the Bible that Dr. Nasser had, and then she said bravely, if you have read the Bible you carry, you know the definition of sacrificial love portrayed is of God himself loving so self-sacrificially that he gave up everything, paying the penalty for sin that he did not commit. By his grace, she said, I too choose to love this way." Later, referencing the Bible again, she spoke of absolute truth and the objective reality of right and wrong. She said, and I quote, "...the Bible you carry says it is better a millstone be thrown around your neck and that you be thrown into the lake than for you to make even one child stumble. And you have damaged hundreds. The Bible, she said, conveys the message of final judgment where all of God's wrath and his eternal terror is poured out on men like you. Should, she said, you ever reach the point of facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you, she said, I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God. Would you need far more than forgiveness from me, she said, though she bravely continued, though I extend that to you as well. Speaking again of the reality of right and wrong, of evil and good, she said, quote, Larry, I can call what you did evil and wicked because it was. And I know it was evil and wicked because the straight line exists. The straight line, she said, is not based upon your perception, or anyone else's perception, and this means I can speak the truth about my abuse without minimization or mitigation, and can call it evil because I know what goodness is. This is why I pity you, she said, because when a person loses the ability to define good and evil, when they cannot define evil, they can no longer define and enjoy what is truly good. When a person can harm a human being, especially a child, without true guilt, they have lost, she said, the ability to truly love. She continued by saying to the doctor, Larry, you have shut yourself off from every truly beautiful and good thing in this world that could have and should have brought you joy and fulfillment, and I pity you for it. You could have had everything you pretended to be, she said. Every woman who stood up here truly loved you as an innocent child, real, genuine love for you, and it did not satisfy. Then addressing the judge, Mrs. Hollander said, I ask that you hand down a sentence that tells us what happened to us matters, and that we are worth every measure of justice available. She then asked the question, how much is a little girl worth? Those are words very difficult to hear, very difficult to read, very difficult to say. They are difficult words we need to hear. And, of course, they are difficult words that have the ring and the authenticity of biblical truth. This is the kind of argument that can only emerge from Christian conviction and from the Christian biblical worldview. The references here to good and evil, to right and wrong, to a straight line of judgment. Most importantly, the references to sin and guilt, the necessity of repentance, and the substitutionary atonement of Christ and the promise of salvation, all of this only makes sense, it is only coherent if everything revealed in the scripture is true. And as we consider this story that is now so much a part of the American attention and conversation today, we need to be thankful, as this judge was thankful, for young women who were brave enough to accuse this doctor so esteemed and respected throughout the Olympic community of what he had done and to stay by their story and to make it stick, consistently testifying in order to bring about not only a criminal conviction, but the end to this kind of abuse that endangered so many others. Then addressing the first of those young women to speak up, Rachel Den Hollander, the judge said, quote, you started the tidal wave. You made all of this happen. You made all of these voices matter. Your sister survivors and I thank you. You are the bravest person, she said, I have ever had in my courtroom. But what so many in the world missed is that the moral clarity that was so evident in that classroom yesterday cannot really emerge from a secular worldview. It can only emerge from a biblical worldview. And yesterday, it wasn't just the witness to good and evil that appeared. In the voice of Rachel Denhollander, there was a powerful witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that speaks so honestly about sin, and the gospel that so honestly promises in Christ salvation from sin.